Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. I'd like to welcome you to As Some of You Once Were, with me, Trevor Brierley, pastor of Round Oak Baptist Church in Corbin, Virginia. But again, I'd like to welcome you as we go through our study of the book of Romans, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, trying to get a better picture, a good idea of what God is telling us through the Holy Spirit, through Paul, to us, even here today. We can learn so much from the book of Romans. Not only is it one of my probably top two or three favorite books in all of the Bible, but it's also something that speaks directly to us. And it should do really a few things. It should enlighten us. It should encourage us. It should convict us. I think we should all get all of those things whenever we read through it. Because again, it's there for us to reveal to us more of how we should be, what we've already been through, who Jesus is, and really what's expected of us. But we're going to continue through that this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, I want you to try to find Romans chapter 4. We're going to be looking at just a few verses here today, verses 6 through 12. And as we get started, I want to say this, that I'm just, again, privileged and pleased to be able to do this. Because again, not like any other day, but it is another beautiful day that the Lord has given us. For us to worship Him and to praise Him and to be able to read His Word that He has given to us. And, And so far, some of those few things that we've seen are things that are overly pointed out here in the book of Romans. There are some that are shared extensively throughout the Bible and other books. Things that we find realistically repeated in all of Scripture. And this section that we're currently in is no different. We can see that things are going on around us. We can see that there are ways that the truth is perverted. The way that we are told flat-out lies. And one of the things that we see in the church today is that there is more to salvation, apparently, than just faith in Jesus Christ. That for some reason, people along the way, and to be fair, this isn't just a handful, an obscure group, but it's untold millions of people thought this, that for whatever reason, we must add to it. Apparently that there is something that Jesus didn't quite get right. That he didn't do. That we have to complete the mission, so to speak. And again, one thing I like about Romans so much and Paul as he writes, that Paul is making sure that we know the truth. And being clear so that we understand the truth. As somebody in Paul's position, he was perfect at what he did, God's chosen vessel to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Um, As somebody who is a public speaker, somebody who is a preacher or a pastor, many men along the way would know how this is, that it's one of the hardest things to do to make sure you can convey your message in a way that people can understand. Because sometimes it's 
difficult because of how things are rattling around in my brain, those rocks that are rolling around making all that noise, if I try to just put that out there, everybody's going to look at me and think I'm crazy or some kind of ridiculously wrong sentiment was going to come out next. Learning how to do that is crucial. And again, not getting into that too much, but just saying that Paul, again, inspired by the Holy Spirit, does that perfectly. Some of this, again, just as I warned you when we started, does get a little bit repetitive, but there's something that we need to understand. Something that is, and if not, it really should be, but blatantly obvious. And that is this, that we need to hear it. We need to hear it. That we need to understand that the truth is in fact the truth. Because often we forget the truth. Again, I I understand it. It seems obvious. But look how many people have perverted the truth. Look at the quote-unquote churches. Look at some of the teachings that are out there. Just a few minutes of observing. And you will see the necessity of actual biblical teaching. Of this teaching that's sometimes called repetitive. The teaching that comes straight from the Bible, the Word of God. You will see this teaching is necessary of the fact that it is faith alone, through Christ alone, and not by works. And we see here that Paul continues to drive this point home. So let's get into this. I hope you found it. I hope that you're there. Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 12. It says this, Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the person whom God credits righteousness apart from works, verse 7, Blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person the Lord will never charge with sin. Is this blessing only for the circumcised then? Or is it also for the uncircumcised? For we say faith is credited to Abraham for righteousness. In what way then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? It was not while he was circumcised but uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith, while still uncircumcised. This was to make him the father of all who will believe, but are not circumcised, so that righteousness may be credited to them also. And he became the father of the circumcised, who are not only circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith, our father Abraham, had while he was still uncircumcised. So that was a bigger section, and and it crosses a lot of bridges, but we're going to look at all this, and we're going to break it down as best as uh, I can in a short period of time. But again, looking back just at 6 through 8, those first few verses, Paul, again, here is using the Old Testament to show what he is saying. That he is not changing the way things are. He's not changing or diverting away from the way things have even been, but pointing out that this is how it has always been. 
the thinking behind salvation, the thinking behind righteousness, has been skewed. He quotes these verses here from Psalms chapter 4 and chapter 32. Again, kind of going from the big guns of history. First, he, he continually using the name of Abraham, because that's going to get their attention. And now, he's talking about David. But he's also doing this to reaffirm something. That blessedness, that salvation, that righteousness are not things that we are able to earn. But the blessings, the salvation, righteousness are the effect of the free gift of salvation through faith. See, everything stems from this. It is a gift, a free gift from God to us. And I do think that this is something that we often forget. And I also think that we take it for granted. Nothing that we can do can help us in this situation. If you were a part of what Paul is quoting here from the Old Testament writings of David, your lawlessness has been forgiven. And guess what? Your sins, they are covered. If the Lord is not going to charge your sins against you, then you are blessed. You are blessed not of your own, not by the works that you have done, but by the grace and the mercy of God. And quite simply, that is a wonderful thing. But again, we'll keep moving on as we look at this. Verse 9 and 10 says this, Is this blessing only for the circumcised then? Or is it for the uncircumcised? For we say faith was credited to Abraham for righteousness. In what way then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? It was not while he was circumcised, but uncircumcised. Now looking at this. Now we've talked about this before. We'll get through it quickly because again, I don't think we need to beat a dead horse but it needs to be repeated at least a little bit. But circumcision did play a big role. Maybe one of the biggest roles in the Jewish faith. And we see here, we see Paul doing what Paul does, which is taking this issue, taking this main topic and going at it head on. And again, another thing I love about the book of Romans is that as Paul's writing this, not only is he taking this head on, but he is not pulling any punches. Again, this was seen as a surgical act that secured righteousness. Something that you have to do that would secure your salvation and your righteousness. Of all the rites and rituals, this one is one of, if not the most important. Salvation was imparted by the act of circumcision, according to much of Jewish belief. Here are a few things that show what I'm talking about. Rabbi Menachem says this, No circumcised man will see hell. 
Uh, this is from the, the Midrash. It's an ancient commentary on Jewish law. But it says that God swore to Abraham that no one who was circumcised would go to hell. And there is another book, uh, another writing, in the Akadak Jizbak, a book of Jewish writing, says this. Abraham sets before the gates of hell and does not let any Israelite enter. Then goes on to say that this is referring to true Israelites, the ones who have been circumcised. And we see a pattern from this. There has been a long precedent of taking things, not just out of context, but essentially blowing up the context. Of trying to put our own twist on things. Trying to make it how we want it to be. Whether for personal gain or just because we tend to think a certain way, so it should be a certain way. We still do this today. I find there's no reason to point certain faults at certain people because of their time frame or because of maybe limited access to certain things because we do the same thing today with all the technology we have available. We can find up anything. We can look up anything and find out what essentially what we want. And if we don't like what something says, we can look at somebody else's writing and find it and essentially if we look hard enough, we can get the answers that we want. But we still do all this kind of stuff today. Putting our own twist on things to get the desired outcome. Many in the church see things in a similar fashion. That if we do certain things, we're safe. If we are part of certain groups, we're safe. If we use certain words, if we show up to church if we look right we're safe but this and many other kinds of teachings were introduced in the church very early which goes without saying but there are always things that the church should not be as humans we think that we have to do more we think we have to do more. And we always think that we can make things better. If you look at the book of Acts, chapter 15, I'm not going to read it all, but I encourage you to go back you know, through it, at least that little section, chapter 15, and look at it. But when we look at all this, it says this, just right from the beginning, chapter 15, verse 1 of the book of Acts. Some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. Unless you do that thing. Essentially, circumcised equals saved. Uncircumcised equals not saved. And there are no variances. There are no ways around it. They were still hanging on to their faith on this aspect. That you had to have this thing done. Saying basically that, yes, yeah, sure, have Jesus. He's all well and good. But you have to do this also. Or you're not saved. 
and essentially nothing else mattered. If you did not do this thing that we are telling you, you are not saved. Galatians 5, 1-6 says this, For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm then, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For we eagerly, eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. Now, I want to say this. Nobody wants to hear that. Verse 4, you are trying to be justified by the law, are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Those are harsh words. And they need to be taken seriously. But again, we look at this as kind of twofold here. This passage from Galatians. First, it's showing that this is a work. Something that you have to do. That must be done in order to earn salvation. And two, and this is probably more important, but this is effectively saying that Christ's work on the cross was simply not enough. That must be seen. We must understand that when we say certain things, the words we say have consequences. They mean things. If you have to add anything to the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for you and rose, and it's through faith you have been saved, if you add anything to that, you are saying that Jesus was and is not enough. But he goes on to write, and I think this is a nice summary here. If you want to live by the law, go ahead. Go ahead. But you are relying on it. And now you must keep the whole law every aspect of it. And then this is the point. You are only worried about the law. You're only serving the law. You're not serving God. You are completely covered. You are completely taken out of your normal self and becoming a person who is enthralled, surrounded. You are now swimming in the only concept that you know, and that is, can I keep the law? You're only serving that law. And that law, which we all know is showing us just how sinful we really and truly are, We are by no means, at that point, serving or worshiping Jesus Christ. 
because we're fixated on something else. And he continues, and he asks another question. Was Abraham counted as righteous before or after? And again, he gives a straightforward answer. Not while, but before. Before he was circumcised. This went against all that the Jews taught. Because this practice was a must for them. As in it had to happen. Otherwise, everything you've done was in vain. It is not by works. It is not by practice. But righteousness is by faith alone. And that faith is in Jesus Christ alone. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But we look back. We continue to go. Verse 11 and 12. Abraham became a kind of prototype for this. And everything hung on this kind of thinking. And I compare it to baptism of today. We can do that. Just for argument's sake. We are saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we are baptized. We are not justified by our baptism. We are not saved by our baptism. We are not given righteousness by our baptism. Just as Abraham and those who came after him were not justified, were not saved, were not given righteousness by their circumcision. It is an outward expression of the inward change. And we should want to do that publicly, to show publicly what we believe and who we identify with. Circumcision, like baptism, cannot, will not, and does not, and can never save you. No act that we can do can save us. Paul points this out over and over and over. The New Testament, the Old Testament, points this out over and over. Jesus points this out over and over. And yet, I think that there are things that we have to do, right? Don't we think that too often? We, we think we have to do something. Things to earn salvation, to earn righteousness. There is not a checkbox that we have to make sure we get ticked. We don't have to do that. We don't have to make sure that we get like an 80% or better. Strive to get, you know, at least 80 or 85 would be better, but I'm going to shoot for 80 just in case. I'm going to, I got to get all those 80 boxes checked. 80 out of 100 I can live with. I really want that 85, but okay. I want to say this. It's 100% or nothing. 80%, though passing in our schools and our universities, will not cut it. 99.99999% will not cut it. It will not cut it. Because we cannot achieve our own salvation 
or our own righteousness. And to be fair with me personally, I thank God that it is not up to me. I thank God that it is not up to my having to hold the whole of the law. I thank God that I do not have to do the works that I would think would credit me with salvation. That I do not have to make myself righteous. But it is Jesus Christ. It is him that that justifies us, that cleanses us, that gives us real and true life, and that literally makes us new. And when that happens, we see everything in a new way. And we will want to start to be obedient to him, to the God who saves us. And then, when the works come, we do them. And we get baptized. We do all these different things. That comes from our salvation. From it. And as we become more and more obedient to Jesus, and when all this starts to really come together, as we're serving each other, and more importantly, when we're serving Jesus, the world will see, and it will take notice. And God will use us as vessels to take his gospel out. But dare I say, I hope that if you do not believe that it is by faith alone and Christ alone, I dearly hope that you're not able to take that message out because it's a false gospel. We don't add to it. We can't subtract from it. It is Jesus's gospel, his life-saving gospel, good news for us, nothing else. No matter how much we want to add to it, no matter how much we think that we have to do something, it is by Christ and Christ alone. But that is all I have for today. Uh, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to teach a little bit. And I hope that you got something out of it. I hope that you're following along and learning. And I hope that it's inspiring you to not just study through the book of Romans with us as a group here once a week, but other books, other books of the Bible that you are learning and growing more in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free, email me. My email address is pastortrevor at roundoakchurch.com. But until next time, take care and may God richly bless you as you fervently seek after him.